this faith in Jesus isn't for the Jews. The Jews rejected Jesus. So if the Jews want to become followers of Christianity, this new religious system that we're developing, they can, but otherwise they have no part with us. They've rejected the Messiah, so God's rejected them. And that's where you get this idea now with this word conversion that surely Christianity is the right religion and Jewish people would need to follow our religious system. Welcome to A Jew and a Gentile Discuss. I'm your co-host, Carly Berna. And I'm Ezra Benjamin. We're a Jew and a Gentile who both believe in Jesus and believe that there's value in looking at history as well as today's world in the headlines through both a Jewish and a Christian lens. So one of the things we're going to talk about today are some of these different key terms that you may have heard if you are a Christian listening, like conversion, crusades, missions, which these all sound like the goal of sharing the gospel and probably not strange to you. But we're going to talk about why there is a main problem with the word conversion. So if you clicked on this podcast, you saw that the title was Why Christian Want Jews to Quote-Unquote Convert, and we're going to explain what that means and what's wrong with that today. But before we get started, we want to let you know about an opportunity to support Jewish people all over the world in communities you may never have heard of living in some of the most remote parts of the world Um, We go and we help care for them, um, bringing them humanitarian aid as well as sharing the gospel with them. And we actually have some coffee from Ethiopia, which is one of the countries we have served for over 20 years. Um, And you can get some of that on our website. And if you stay tuned to the end of this podcast, you can enter for a chance to get that coffee for free. I'm drinking coffee right now, Carly, which is why I'm going to talk so fast in this podcast. But Uh, You listening at home or wherever you uh, hit your podcast should get some of that coffee, too. It's pretty delicious, roasted right here in our uh, hometown at present of Phoenix, Arizona. Okay, so on to today's topic. Let's discuss. So, Ezra, you know, like I just said, as a Christian, before I ever worked here, the word conversion was never a problem for me. Um, I would want people from other religions to convert to Christianity, and I would refer to a new believer as a convert. Mm -hmm. So what is the issue with this language of conversion? Well, first, let me ask you a question. It's a very Jewish thing, right? I'm going to answer your question with a question. When you say that word, what do you mean? When you said, I would want other people, including presumably a Jewish man or woman, to convert, what's in your mind and your heart as you say it? Like, define it from your perspective. Yeah, I have, I'll define it from my pre-10-year-ago okay. perspective, maybe. Um, it would mean going from one religion to another. Mm-hmm. So being Muslim and converting to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And why was that important as a follower of Jesus? Like, why would you want somebody to kind of come over the fence to the Christian side of things? Because as a Christian, I believe that Jesus is the one truth, Mm -hmm. and so uh, someone who is Muslim or any other religion, Buddhist, whatever, they're not believing in that one truth. So, Mm -hmm. you know, we want everyone to be saved. We want all to convert Mm -hmm. to believe in Jesus and the religion of Christianity. Right. I'm unpacking that a little and trying to peel away the layers of the onion because you just got to what I think is the meat of... Christian, or maybe let's be a little bit more specific, an evangelical response, right? And it comes from this idea, John 14, 6, even if people don't know that reference, they know the verse. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father 
but through me. And he's actually saying that to a Jewish audience since all of his followers at that time, the vast majority, if not all, including all of his disciples were Jewish, Jewish men and women. So what you're saying, in my own words, is you want people to convert to the Christian religion because you believe that being a follower of Jesus, of Christ, uh, of the Messiah, is truly the only way that somebody can be reconciled to God. Right. And spend eternity with him versus apart from him. Yep. Putting a lot of words. but So that's, that's what is underlying in your, and we can expand that to kind of an evangelical understanding of this idea of conversion. Sure, anybody should convert. Jewish, non-Jewish, doesn't matter. Uh, they need to know the one way, truth, and life, right? That's right. the idea. Yep. So now to answer the question you asked me, why is that a problem for a Jewish audience? Because all the context that you and I just got through discussing here on A Jew and a Gentile Discuss is not discussed in the relationship in society at large or maybe even in a one-on-one -on -one relationship between a Jewish person and a Christian. Okay, so what do I mean by that? When somebody says, yeah, I'm, I'm praying that you convert, or yeah, of course it's my desire that you and any other Jewish or non-Jewish person convert, what they're hearing is change religion and the, the like foundational mandate, if you will, in mainstream Judaism worldwide. It's in the, my grandma would have said kishkis. It's in the, the guts, the deepest place of every Jewish man and woman is this idea, stay Jewish. And of course, you can't change your ethnicity and your heritage. You're not going to change your DNA. If you're Jewish, you're Jewish. But along with that comes this responsibility to not only be Jewish and live as a Jew, die as a Jew, but stay Jewish. And that has in whatever way people might understand it or practice it, some religious underpinnings, okay? So when I hear, as a Jewish person, not have, let's say I don't have any familiarity or relationship with the evangelical, with the Christian community, okay? And I hear somebody say to me, you, you should convert. All I'm hearing is I should leave my Jewish religion, which means not stay Jewish, violate the foundational mandate for a Jewish man or woman, and, and convert, change, to another religion. So that's the big problem, is one, this idea that I can't abandon my Jewish faith, my Jewish religion, my Jewish identity, and two, let me go a little bit further, in a way it's offensive, Carly, to the Jewish community because under this idea that you should convert is the idea that my religion is better than yours, right? Which, especially in the you know highly you know politically correct, wired and sensitized culture that we live in today, for anybody to say, you know, I think the way that I do life is better than yours is immediately an offense. But even more so to a Jewish person who's saying, look, I have the, I have the Bible, I have the Torah, our people have this relationship with God, whether I believe he exists or not, we have this identity as chosen people, and you're telling me, as a Gentile with no familiarity with the Jewish faith and religion, my way's better. So that's the problem with conversion at face value. Okay, And I, I said it that way because at face value means we're not understanding what the word actually meant in the few places we see it used in the New Testament scriptures. Mm -hmm. Be before we look at that, does this only apply to Judaism? Like if I had a friend who was Buddhist, wouldn't I want them to convert? Or you're saying they need to keep their Buddhist religion but believe in Jesus? Well, that's therein lies, you know, the the underpinnings of so much of what we talk about in this podcast, season after season, Carly, and it's this idea that you're equating Judaism and Buddhism and Hinduism and whatever other religious system in the world as this godless faith 
far from him, and Christianity was, of course, God's prescription for people to be reconciled to him. But, and you know, we could talk for 45 minutes about this, but one of the things we discuss so much here is this idea that Jesus came first for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And Paul makes it very clear that the gospel, Romans 1.16, is the power of God unto salvation, unto being reconciled to God and saved from our sins for anyone who believes. And then he says, first, necessarily first for the Jew and also for the Gentile. And so it's this idea that do Jewish people need, need a Messiah? Do we need to be forgiven of our personal sin? We totally do. But we can't equate Judaism with other religions that have no underpinnings in a relationship with the God of Israel, who, by the way, Christians worship through Jesus. You know, maybe that's like a head explosion emoticon moment, but Christians are worshiping the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because they've been brought near. They were not a part of Israel, far from God, but they've been brought near through the blood of the Messiah, through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross for all of us, for our sins, into that relationship with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So what I'm saying is we need to recognize that the whole plan of God from Genesis 12, actually from Genesis 3, after the curse, when God says to Eve, you know, the serpent, Satan, will bruise your heel, but one who comes through your line, literally in your seed, will crush his head. One's coming in the line of Eve and then in the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who will actually give a death sentence to the enemy. And we know that that would be the Messiah, namely Jesus. And so uh, I would challenge our Christian audience to understand that Judaism as expressed through the entirety of the Old Testament and the vast majority, if you will, of the New Testament writings, was not this godless religious system that had no path to God. The whole point was that Jewish men and women, Hebrew men and women, Israelite men and women would recognize Jesus for who he was, the Messiah of Israel and the Savior of the world. Now we know historically and according to the scriptures that the vast majority of Jewish people rejected him as the Messiah. They couldn't see it, they didn't have eyes of faith to see it, and they were looking for a national redeemer rather than a personal savior. And so they missed him, or they were offended that he had to die. But nonetheless, I would challenge our Christian audience to see Judaism as a giant pointer towards a Messiah, towards a need for a, a lamb who would take away sin and a great high priest. And I would challenge our Jewish audience to recognize, according to our own scriptures, according to the Old Testament, you know, the law, the prophets, the writings, that woven throughout is this idea that we as a people need redemption, and that pointed to the Messiah. And so rather than dismissing Jesus as the God of the Christians, look at the life, death, and witnessed by hundreds resurrection of this man named Jesus from Nazareth and ask, does he fit the bill of who the prophets told us and Moses told us the Messiah would be? But more on that in other podcasts. So is this really because Judaism is a heritage, whereas Buddhism and Hinduism and whatever are not? It's like, you know, I'm German and Polish. I'm not right. going to convert to being Italian. Is that why the conversion word is is really related to Judaism and not like Buddhism? Well, I guess you know, to, to be even more Jewish and answer your question with a question, does calling yourself a Christian or following a Christian religion reconcile you to God? No. Right. As, as, a, as a believer in Jesus, you would say no. Does, does, and in the same way, does identifying as Jewish and practicing Jewish religious customs somehow ingratiate you to a holy God 
who can't be in the presence of sinful men? And the answer, of course, is no. I think that's what we see so much in the New Testament scriptures also, is Jesus is challenging the religious leaders, not saying, why would you practice Judaism? He's saying, don't think that your religious customs and the things that come out of your mouth that you're actually unwilling to do in secret get you favor or somehow right standing in the eyes of a holy God who can't look at sin, who can't look at, a, at, at the unrighteous condition of a polluted heart and be happy. You need a Messiah, you need a Redeemer, whether you're the high priest in Israel or whether you're the beggar on the street who has a, you know, an incredibly difficult history. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea. Okay. So since this is the podcast to discuss, sure. if someone is Buddhist, yeah. can I say I want them to convert to Christianity? You can say it, but I think what I would, what I would challenge you to do is to ask, what do you mean? Because if the words that we use, and then we're going, to get in, we're going to get into the meat of this and look at what the word that was used in the New Testament that's become so problematic for Jewish people and a barrier, I would say, to the gospel, what it actually means. But my question is for, for you, for me, for any of us, if the language I'm using creates a misunderstanding that becomes a barrier to me expressing what I believe is the most important thing someone's ever going to hear? Am I willing to either define my language or change my language? Mm-hmm. Right? That's the question. Mm-hmm. So if if a, a Buddhist that you're talking to, that you're sharing the gospel with, hears that and understands I'm part of a religious system which has no basis in the living God, in the true God, and has no way for salvation, and I need to change, they might say convert, I need to change my worldview, I need to change my understanding of God, I need to change the way that I relate to who and what I think God is, because something about what this other person sharing with me is ringing in my spirit is true, okay, go with the word convert. Mm-hmm. But if, if the word becomes a slam door, Buddhist, Jewish, whatever, then maybe, maybe the one who's sharing such an important message needs to change the language. And we're going to talk about why the word convert, you know, other than this idea of be Jewish, stay Jewish. How did it, how did it come to mean something that it didn't mean in the New Testament? And why is that such a problem for Jewish people? Mm-hmm. So you keep referencing this very few times, and I believe only one time that conversion is used um, in the Bible, which is in Acts 15.3, and I'll just read it. Um, it says, therefore, after being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the conversion of the Gentiles, and they were bringing great joy to all the brothers and sisters. So here they're talking about the conversion of the Gentiles. Right. What, what does that word conversion mean? Right. Well, our people, first of all, the conversion of the Gentiles necessarily cannot mean that people were leaving a Jewish religion and becoming part of another system, Right because they're Gentiles, they're not Jews. So what is it that's meant there? And the word, like you said, in that form of this Greek word for conversion, it's only used one time in that form in the New Testament. You just read it in Acts 15. And what it means is leaving behind godless practices and turning to follow the living God. It's this idea of a, of a, a turning or a changing, okay? But when you look at that Greek word, there's another almost identical form of it that doesn't mean change, and it's used multiple times throughout the New Testament, and it's to turn back. And so one example where we see that is in Acts 3, Carly, specifically verse 19. And I'm familiar with this verse because it's become almost the proof text for the Christian world saying to Jewish people, you need to convert, which now 
because it's understood that Christianity is the one way and the Jewish people are, are deceived, they're wrong, uh, what people mean by that is you need to become a Christian, okay? Or maybe they mean you need to be, become a follower of Christ, but that means you should leave your Jewish identity. And in Acts 3.19, the reason this has become a proof text is because Peter is speaking. This is during Pentecost, during this Jewish festival of Shavuot, right after these disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit and begin proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah in every known language spoken by the, the Jewish community scattered around the world. And many are coming to faith. And this famous speech you know, Acts 3.19, it says, repent and be converted in some translations of the English so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Holy Spirit. And so people go, you see, even the Jewish disciples were telling the, the Israelite men and women, you need to convert. Mm -hmm. But if we look at the Greek word there, it literally means turn back. It doesn't mean change to some other form or religious system. It means turn back. So what he's saying is not convert to a Christian religion. In fact, there was no Christian religion at that time. There were Jewish men and women who believed that Jesus, through his death, burial, and resurrection, had confirmed his identity as the Messiah of Israel. And the idea of turn back is actually a very Jewish concept. It's this word in Hebrew that's teshuva, which literally means to turn. So, Carly, we're recording this, you know, we just finished the Jewish High Holidays in Yom Kippur, and there's this period of time on the Jewish calendar called the Ten Days of Awe. And what you're supposed to be doing is, in essence, making amends with those who you may have offended or, you know, who, who you may be offended at, and you're doing teshuva. You're turning back to the Lord. So what's the speaker saying here? He's proclaiming, repent, turn from your sins, and... In English, it says be converted, but he's saying make teshuva, turn back to the Lord mm -hmm. so that your sins may be blotted out and times of refreshing may come. So this thing that because of our misinterpretation of it in English has become a proof text for, Christ, for Jewish people becoming Christians was actually a Jewish man saying to Jewish men and women, turn back to the God of Israel the way you do that. The way your sins can be blotted out is through believing in the one the Father sent, the Messiah, Jesus. So going back to Acts 15 for a minute, yeah. this word, actually, if you look up the meaning of it, is it says the conversion of Gentiles from idolatry to the true God. Right. So it's not even talking about Jewish people being converted from Jews um, to Christians. Right. It's just talking about Gentiles, which I feel like we have to do this all the time, right? Identify right. idols in our life and sure. turn back to God. Totally. So that's what they're talking about, not a conversion from one religion to another. Totally. And therein, you know, lies the answer, maybe a part of the answer to the question you were asking earlier. What's the difference between telling a Buddhist you need to convert, using it in the way that Acts 15 used it, and telling a Jewish man or woman you need to convert? Mm -hmm. Because the Jewish faith wasn't inherently this godless, pagan, idol-worshiping system. It was meant to be a giant pointer to the Messiah. Right. Now, did the Israelites practice idolatry? Sure. And we see in the scriptures that that really ticked God off when Israel went the way of these pagan religious systems. But that was never the idea. Mm -hmm. And so in that sense, maybe yes, that the way you would talk to a Buddhist or a Hindu or a follower of some other, you know, multi-god system that might exist in the world may be different than the way that you would talk to a Jewish person. Because in one case, you're dealing with a godless, idolatrous religion, as, as 
we would define it as believers in Jesus and followers of the Bible. And in the other case, you're dealing with a system meant to point to Jesus, but you're dealing with a heart of unbelief where blinders have to come off. Mm -hmm. So that's the difference. Why is it that you think churches don't teach this? Or like me as a Christian would never have used this. I would have used this conversion language, you know. Yeah, I think it's the idea, you know, I'm going to I'm going to play with some language from Romans 11 just for a minute. Paul in in Romans 11 talks about this idea of an olive tree, right? And he's speaking to a primarily gentile audience. This is still first century, but the church in Rome was vast majority that the body of believers or we can say church, ecclesia would be the Greek in Rome was was mostly Gentile at this point. A few Jewish believers, but mostly Gentile. And Paul makes it very clear with this image of an olive tree. And he says, understand the roots of the olive tree that you're grafted into, meaning you're grafted into the faith of Abraham. Mm -hmm. carried out by Israel. You're grafted into Israel, if you will, through faith. You don't become Jewish, but you're grafted into that. The promise is given to Abraham, believing in God through faith, and it was accounted to him as righteousness. And Paul's saying, don't make a mistake here. You don't support the root. The root supports you because you didn't belong to this olive tree and God has grafted you in. And so to, to answer your question, Let's say that more and more and more wild olive shoots join this olive tree. And then at some point along the line, they go, you know, we don't really like olives. We like plums. We want to be a plum tree. And then these Jewish natural olive branches come along and people say, yeah, you can join our tree if you convert from an olive to a plum. But that was never the idea. In the plan of God, it was the Gentiles would be grafted into the faith of Israel mm -hmm. through faith in the Messiah, through believing that Jesus was enough to cover and to wash away sin and unrighteous standing before the Father. And so over history, and we talk about this in another podcast episode called, you know, where Christianity and Judaism parted ways. You should listen to that and we'll unpack this more. At a certain point in history, as the majority of the body of believers in the world had no Jewish background, all of a sudden, to use that same language, a couple key leaders in the known world said, you know what? We don't like olives. We like plums and we're going to be a plum tree. Mm. And in fact, Olives have no part with us, and if they want to, they need to become something they're not. You know, to go back to biblical language, this faith in Jesus isn't for the Jews. The Jews rejected Jesus, so if the Jews want to become followers of Christianity, this new religious system that we're developing, they can, but otherwise they have no part with us. Certainly the Jewish people have no part with God. They've rejected the Messiah, so God's rejected them. And that's where you get this idea now with this word conversion that surely Christianity is the right religion and Jewish people would need to follow our religious system. Mm -hmm. But I want to challenge that and say, if Jesus came first for the lost sheep of the house of Israel, then really we're not asking a Jewish person to convert to any new religious system. We're asking them to make teshuvah, to turn back to the Lord and to convert from unrighteousness to righteousness, from being in a sinful nature to being made a son or a daughter of God through the Jewish Messiah, who is also, of course, the Savior of the world. So if I was talking to a Jewish person and I wanted them to quote-unquote convert, yeah. what language should I use instead Right. That would not be offensive and actually perhaps make sense to them. Sure. And for a Jewish audience, they're hearing, you know, we just talked about why the Christian community uses it. And unfortunately, 
Jewish people under duress have been forced throughout history, under threat of death, property loss, whatever, loss of jobs, even into the 20th century to quote-unquote convert to Christianity, abandon their Judaism, or in essence suffer the consequences. So I would say to you, Carly, to our Christian audience listening, I would avoid the word convert and ask yourself as you're heading into that conversation, kind of take a deep breath and say, what do I mean by that? And so back to the top of this episode, when I asked you, what do you mean? What you're really saying to a Jewish person is, hey, I'm so thankful that I've been brought near, I've been reconciled to the God of Israel through faith in, in Jesus, in the Messiah. And I see in the scriptures that the Messiah came first for Israel. Do you know him? Do you, do you know that that's the way to be reconciled to God? Because that's what I see in the Old Testament and New Testament is in fact the, that way, truth, and life. And so you're not asking a Jewish person to change religions. What you're asking is, if you're feeling apart from God, if you're not sure that your sins have been blotted out and that your name is in fact written in the book of life, can I propose to you that the way to, to turn back to God is through faith in the Messiah? And I believe it's Jesus. I think that's good language, even if you're not talking to a Jewish person, because sometimes, especially in our world today, Christianity mm-hmm. has all sorts of ideas around it, but right. really it's about a relationship with Jesus. And right. that's really what we want to lead people to, whether it's Jews or, or others. So I think that uh, that language, that thinking about what are you really meaning, what are you really asking them to do, is a good way to have that conversation, start that conversation with someone. Totally. And that's, again, just to kind of, you know, uh, beat this drum once more, you know, on this episode and so many others, I would just challenge our audience. And I would challenge our Jewish audience as well in trying to form relationships with Christians and develop some trust there in common language. If the words that we're using are creating a barrier to further relational equity or trust or depth of conversation and understanding, let's change our words rather than just insisting that our words, because we understand what they mean or should mean, are clear to everyone else. And mm-hmm. so the word conversion, as it relates to the Jewish community, is, is a classic example. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And uh, we hope those listening, that makes sense. I know for me, this was totally new when I uh, first started kind of learning more about the Jewish culture. So if you have questions about that, please send them in to us. We love to hear your feedback. As I mentioned at the top of this episode, you can enter for a chance to win a bag of our Lost Tribes coffee, and you can do that at a Jew and a Gentile org. If you want to hear more episodes of this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'd also love if you leave us a review. That really helps us and gets other people to learn about the podcast. Thanks again for listening this week. Join us next week for another episode. The show is a production of Jewish Voice Ministries International. <laughs>